Welcome to another figure week, park surface week, organic week. Hey everyone, my name is Ahmed Aldouri. I'm a concept artist and former instructor at Art Center College of Design, Brainstorm, CCS, CGMA, and various other places. And I would like to introduce to you this digital painting course that I've created. But before we get into anything, I just wanna thank you for the support you've all given me this whole time. And with the support of so many of you, I've been able to put together everything I know about painting into this digital painting course. You want to become a pro, illustrator, concept artist, or even just a hobbyist, but you don't have a clear map to get there. And that's where I come in. I spent the last six months compiling everything I know from my 20 years of art practice, and I've turned it all into a map. Starting with foundations such as rendering shapes, color theory, painting basic subjects, understanding brushwork, brush economy, all that fun stuff, deconstructing the skull, drawing it from every angle, Angle, all the way to master studies, stylized painting, and you'll find yourself at the end of the course doing a concept art project based on everything that we learn in the first 14 lessons. So how does it work? Well, you sign up, you watch the lectures, do the assignments, post them to the community page if you want, and treat it as a self-study, except for those of you who have signed up for the weekly meeting where I personally critique your work in a virtual classroom setting. I believe learning by repetition is super important. That's what I've sort of presented a lot in this course, and the assignments are tailored for that, as adapted from my time teaching at Art Center. And each of these lessons have step-by-step -step explanations in real time. If you've ever seen my videos, you know exactly how I teach. And this course is intended to be a substitute for a college level course, but you don't have to pay the four or $5,000 per class, racking up maybe 200K in debt. With my custom design course, you'd be paying a fraction of that. And of course, I also have payment plan options if you don't want to pay for the whole thing at once. Thank you for watching this and I'll see you soon. Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of digital Artcast. um thank you for joining me once again i hope as always wherever you are in the world you're staying safe and being creative um and i hope these podcasts these episodes are going some way towards helping with that calmness with that creativeness uh, and inspiration also um like most episodes i always try to source uh, the best people I can for these for these talks and you know i've had uh, feedback in the discord recently if you guys aren't part of that make sure you check down below in the description you can join our community um, of over 200 artists at the moment 
where we do feedback sessions and we're starting to do challenges but yeah um there is also a part where you can suggest guests and one of the most requested um so far in the last six months has been the person i have on just now so yes i am listening to you guys definitely um and uh, want to get the best for you um so yeah today we're talking to an illustrator content designer and all around just fucking awesome person um uh, steven zapata hey steven how are you doing hey gordon thank you so much for having me yeah you're welcome man you're welcome um so yeah uh you've been kind of blown up in the last i would say two to three years um i know obviously you've had a career in concept design and illustration for a long time but i think social wise you know you've definitely been active and streaming you know putting out content collaborating with other people um i think the first time i properly um not knew of you but really saw you socially was when you had done a podcast with modern day james james douglas um in, in new york and you're obviously an NY yourself and uh and yeah that was the first time I really got to sit down and listen you kind of chatter away it was you Ahmed and, and James and uh yeah you were having a good old a good old rant but uh yeah so I mean what kind of spurred the last couple of years and really getting in the 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 public eye I mean first of all for people who don't know you um do you want to do just a quick intro of who you are what you do Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these I've been in uh, concept design, entertainment design in general. Um, I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up here. I went to Los Angeles to go to Art Center College of Design uh, after high school. So I started cool. over there when I was um, 19. So that's back in 2009. And uh, did my four years over there, stayed in L.A. for a total of, I think it's nine years, I want to say. I stayed wow. in L.A. Um, doing a bunch of stuff out there, especially uh, a longer stint in studio, th- three-ish, a little bit more than three years, mm-hmm. um, working in theme parks out there in L.A. Moved back to New York um, and started doing freelance when I was in New York, including all sorts of stuff advertising, um, print, tabletop games, uh, some, I did a, during that time, I did a long stint on, uh, Elder Scrolls Online for over a year doing concept with them. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's sort of been the trajectory for my, for, or that's like the really bottled (laughs) version of me. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, the, uh, the social stuff really started coming up. I'd say, I think it, I really started getting interested in that right after Elder Scrolls, right after right. I got off Elder Scrolls. So that would have been 2019-ish, if I remember mm-hmm. correct. Um, and that came from, at that point, I had sort of tried a lot of the stuff that I had been interested in when I mm-hmm. went into the industries. So, you know... I'd hit a lot of milestones. I'd found a way to make my living off of art. I'd done both freelance and studio life. Mm-hmm. And I had tried a bunch of niches, right? So mm-hmm. I had done short and long stints on all sorts of stuff. And um, I had done a little bit of video game work very early on. Like my first jobs, my first jobs ever um, like my first freelance thing was some freelance for a Russian MMO called All Odds, which I'm not sure. I think that's how you pronounce it. All Odds okay. RPG, something okay. like that. Yeah. But um, they, uh, I'm not sure if that's still running or if they're still around, but um, right. I had done some, so for them, I had done some game work early on, but um, then I did like everything else. And then Elder Scrolls was like my return to games, which was really 
when I went into the industries, that's really what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to be um, a games? games artist. But right. um, so after I got off, I was like, man, I, I've tried a bit of everything. And when I like looked at myself, honestly, I was like, I'm a bit dissatisfied for complicated reasons, right? You know, as it goes with art, you gotta, there's a lot going on with us. Yep. And um, I found that I wanted more human connection, but also artistic connection and mm -hmm. a space to talk about the stuff that doesn't, we often feel like isn't on the table in right. the entertainment design world and the design world in general. Okay. So I launched a YouTube channel at that point, not to um, show tutorials or things like that, but to basically just talk, have like the kinds of conversations I would have with my friends behind mm -hmm. closed doors mm -hmm. and talk about all of the complicated stuff that comes up in art, like feeling confused, feeling dissatisfied, feeling mm -hmm. jealous, envious, um, mm -hmm. not understanding yourself, being angry at yourself, right. not being able to spend as much time as you want on the thing that you love the most, things like that. Um, and that was a, a reaction to everything that I'd gone through. And um, yeah, I'm sort of still living the expansion out from that. But that's where that all came from. Yeah, it's a very, for me, I think, again, like I, we were talking about this before we started recording, but six years podcasting now, um, it feels like I've had this where most artists I know are almost low-level philosophers, right? They have this understanding of life and things in it that most people don't. I remember I was watching an episode of Sabrina when they relaunched it, the, the Netflix series. Mm -hmm. There's a part where they're at a funeral and uh, they're talking about the people, I think it's uh, Zelda, she says one of the things where she's like, do people ever really understand the complexity and shortness of life? Um, and then the guy standing next to him says, maybe the artist. And it's one thing that stuck with me for, for a long time is that I think art sees life in, in different terms. And uh, I think when you become an artist and then you clash into that industry part of it, that's the thing you're always fighting with, right? Is the the doing it for money, the business end of it, being a sellout, you know? And I think a lot of guys now, have, we both know Ahmed very well. And, and, you know, I think he definitely has become disillusioned with the whole industry like yourself and the fact that he's, he's sold his soul for so many years doing stuff mm. and has spent so many years now trying to refine himself. Um, is that kind of something you've done when you moved back to New York? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, when I first moved back to New York, um, so this would have been 2016. Um, when I first moved back to New York, my first priority was um, at that point, I'd never been able to support myself off freelance. So mm -hmm. when I first moved to New York, and this is a phase a lot of us go through, I was like, all right, next step. Let's see if I can do it just freelance, just not mm -hmm. being anybody's permanent direct employee. So that was really where I put my energies um, in the beginning when I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. But quickly, it, it became more about, about that, of figuring mm -hmm. myself out. I was also, well, you know, what you said about artists being low-level philosophers, it's like, I think that our lifestyle inclines us to that almost mm -hmm. automatically, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, by nature of our job, we're often alone, solitary, mm -hmm. Even if we work at a studio, once someone gives you the assignment, you've got to sit there for eight hours making it. Yeah. And what that amounts to practically for a lot of us is that you're sitting there with your own thoughts for eight hours, mm. unless you fill your head with audio books, podcasts, things like that. But yeah. even if you do that, 
you're still consuming more books, more podcasts, more media than the average about person. life, about experiences. Yeah. 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 So it's almost, from my experience with my peers and my friends, it's mm. almost impossible to not have that affect you just because of the, the, the practical makings of the lifestyle. Yeah. And yeah, you wind up, well, depending on how you measure it, you're either overthinking it or thinking deeply about yeah. what's going on with you, what you're going through, where you want to go. That's why almost all artists seem to go through some phase where they're very caught up with like self-help or fitness or psychology. We almost all go through a phase where we're, where we're, we're handling our health. We're handling our mental health. We're reading all these books, finding all the best people for that stuff. Yeah. I think it's just because we have more time than most people to consume that yeah. stuff. I remember when I worked back in studio in LA, the, the artist alley, we were the only people who it was totally cultural norm in the office that we just had headphones on and had YouTube wide open on a 30 inch monitor right next to our heads all day, every day. <laughs> Sorry, my, my, my chair clicked. I hope that didn't block the audio. That's fine, that's fine. But um, the, no one else could do that. You could yeah. you couldn't just advertise to the whole office that you were listening to YouTube all day and just having yeah. the video playing. But in yeah. Artist Alley, it was totally a norm. Nobody mm -hmm. would bother you. They they were just like, well, you know, they they need to make the art. Don't interrupt them while they make the art, and it helps them get in the zone or flow. So yeah. the the norms are just a bit different for us, I think, yeah. a lot of the times. And yeah, it just creates a huge space to retrospect and to look at your life yeah and, um, and hopefully produce useful and good philosophies though not every time yeah yeah i think it's also why so many people i know struggle with um you know mental health in general in this industry and it, i mean it's one part of it is just the industry in general just throwing you in like a meat grinder and, and hoping you come out the other end still alive but the other part is that you know you're so creative for so long you know i remember talking about um i think it was da vinci at the time who talked about you know like he was maybe only actively painting for maybe an hour or two a day you know like a lot of the other times he was writing he was journaling he was researching but we have this output now that is like if you go to a studio job for instance you know you're talking you work five days a week you're gonna have to be active 40 50 hours a week doing stuff i mean maybe paint 30 hours of that but still that every week every month every year like i don't think we were really built to be that creative for such a prolonged time no, um, and it really starts to wear on you because at one point the engine just runs out and you're like i've nothing left you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. I, there was times in studio where i'm i'm not the coolest guy so if this sounds like a really uncool thing to do <laughs> I, I admit to it you know i'm really not the coolest guy um but um they after a certain point they trusted me right so they mm. gave me a bit of a, a leash they gave me a bit a bit of slack <laughs> you know i could sort of do stuff so yeah it was a, a long period there where because i believe what you just said i was yeah. like well i'm not going to i'm sure you've had this experience before i don't know if mm. in an art job or something but right my least favorite thing is pretending to be busy it makes me insane and mm. i've had art jobs you know you know i'm the a problem when I'm thinking of is at an advertising studio, but where mm. I did my task in an hour, but I need to be there all day. So <laughs> then I'm just like sitting there looking at my computer, literally just turning layers on and off in Photoshop oh, right. <laughs> so that it looks like I'm working. And that to me is, that's when I'm the least happy in my life. I feel right. like leaping out of my skin when I do that. That's not fun yeah. for me. 
I, yeah, of course. I, I enjoy creating. Mm-hmm. I enjoy being productive. Yeah. So back at this old studio, um, mm. we were having times like that. And because I had some leash, I was like, I'm not going to put up with this. So mm. I would purposefully just screw off for the whole first half of the day. I would mm-hmm. go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not show up to work, mm-hmm. but I would like, uh, I convinced the company to give me a VR headset. So I would go for the first four hours of the day. I would go up to this black box that they had mm-hmm. upstairs on the second floor. And I would just paint in VR for four hours, totally not doing my job. And then <laughs> I, I would let it all compress. And then for the last three to four hours of the day, I'd come back down to my desk and I would do everything that I needed to do in eight hours in a four hour mm. rush, you know, right. Like I said, that doesn't sound cool. I'm not the coolest guy. No, no, no. But yeah, I get it. Yeah, I it's think a that's reaction going... to that. It's a reaction yeah. to the fact that you can't you you can't be at your max for eight hours a day. That's yeah. an unsustainable thing, and it's unrealistic to expect from people. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I noticed uh, people talking about in the industry right now that's really gaining traction is the four day work week because people are starting to realize that five days you know we're, we're working from the ford motors group you know back in the day when you know ford had this five-day work week 95 and then that's how schools were then formed because then they were based off that and kids would go to school for 95 and so because they were training factory workers that was the whole point of it so like you know now that we are in an industry where you're being creative it's like yeah like why do we need to be there five monday to friday um why can't we have a three-day work week that uh, or a four-day work week sorry in a three-day weekend you know it makes more sense because then those are the days especially the weekend when you're off where you gain inspiration you know you go hiking you spend time with friends you go and experience life you read a book you know you fill your head with new information um that's almost like a push and pull relationship your entire life is that you have to balance the media you consume versus the media you create and i think the studios are are just you know archaic like that in a sense i'm sure you agree yeah i i mean screw it for me it's like three-day work week two-day work week like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 pretty far out there like I, i'm as yeah. bohemian as it gets on this stuff yeah same <laughs> yeah i i don't the these arbitrary systems that we all happen to have woken up and found ourselves in like yeah. they're nice and all and they definitely do have benefits but mm-hmm. uh i'm not saying get rid of all of them right i'm not no, an anarchist i'm not an yeah. anarchist but I don't see any reason to not, I don't see any reason to accept them without scrutiny. You know, I think yeah. they should all be scrutinized and almost to a person, mm-hmm. everyone who's in them and doing the the work at the vanguard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They feel dissatisfied about the mm-hmm. systems. They feel hurt by them. And the only people who feel really good about the systems are the people who really engage with them the least, you know, the power brokers, the people who run everything, the rent Mm -hmm. seekers, they're the ones who like all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And the people who are actually doing the work tend not to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, as far as I, as far as I would say, like, re reassess everything, one day work week, two day work week, totally Mm -hmm. just like flexible schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm living that now, you know, at the mm. point that I'm in at my life right now, mm. um, I have moved away from mm. the industries. Mm. Um, I'm doing mostly teaching now, mm. which, uh, I prefer greatly. Yeah. Right. Um, again, like I said, because I went, I came to this discovery that I really needed more human and artistic connection. And I find that the teaching is really a, a great, the best gateway I have found to that. Oh yeah, 100%. But the other thing about that is that I'm I'm really on my own time 
now. Mm-hmm. I, I make my own schedule. I only mm-hmm. do the things that I want to do. Yep. Uh, I have removed a lot of bad incentives from my life. There's more work to be done there, but mm-hmm. uh, I really relish every little bad incentive that I've been able to take off of the board. And um, I mean, I vastly prefer this life, you know, it's, and it's amazing how once you've removed the like driving pressure Mm -hmm. of the systems, the fact that I'm choosing everything that I'm doing and that I do feel free to like, I could just take today off just on a lark really, right? Like whenever I want, Um, because I feel that's true in my guts, Mm -hmm. it makes me feel so relaxed that I can just do a shit ton of work. It turns out, yeah. which is not not something to go for. I would say it's like it's no, not, no. Yeah, you don't do that to like just take on more work. But I do find it almost comical that it's like I can do a lot of work, be very productive, be mm-hmm. very creative, but also like I also have the energy to be better about having a social life, to yep. indulge other interests, to yep. do even my chores. You know, like do the dishes and take care of my dog and do all of these other things. Like I just get of you like, as well and your health. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's yeah. great. It's it's just uh it feels much more sustainable to mm-hmm. me. It feels much more um like the solid grounds for a life that I can yeah, feel is sustainable day yeah. to day instead 100%. of feeling like I'm on some sort of treadmill or something like that. Yeah, it was always I always talk about this an interesting kind of haiku moment I had when um again james james douglas modern james um i remember when i initially started talking to him about what he was doing and uh the two things that stuck in my head about james i think is great about him is the one was when i asked him what he was kind of aiming for i was like oh do you want to work in this studio this studio it was like i don't know man i kind of want to just do my own thing you know i want to work on my own stuff and i want to do my own projects and i was thinking how is that how is that a goal how is that sustainable but me being younger naive you know thinking like if you're you're not working for blizzard or riot like what are you doing in your life right um but also once I said to him, you know, why do you draw the things you draw? He says, uh, you know, I just think back to you're like 15 year old me, man, you know, and, and think what would make him happy. And then that's just what I aim for. And it's like, if we could all be that pure, the industry, I think, would be so much better. Um, and it's hard mm-hmm. to be like that because the industry does get in your head that, like I say, is like, you know, oh, you need to work it right. You need to work it. But you need to go to Art Centre. You know, you, you, if you don't go to Art Centre, you're not even going to make it in the industry. Never mind, like, get in a studio or, or Nomon or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think now online schools with the stuff you're doing, the stuff Ahmed's doing, that's shifting. That whole industry, that brick and mortar sense is going away. The fact that you've got to be in studios now, especially with COVID and now remote working, um, it feels like almost revolution, not in just like our industry, but the world, the, the, how it's just shifting paradigms. Um, I don't know for better or worse, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, but like, how do you feel about the way systems are now built in with, you know, especially students, right? Because you deal with students all day. So, you know, like, you know, are half of them all like, you know, I want to work at Blizzard, I want to work at Riot, you know, I want to work in LA. Have you got to disillusion them with that? Or are you happy to encourage it? No, I, I, well, I certainly try not to disillusion, right? No mm-hmm. matter how disillusioned I am, right? Like I, <laughs> I'm, I think there's a sort of like, I don't feel ashamed of my cynicism, right? right. It's like, I personally feel, and people can judge me about this or whatever, but I personally mm-hmm. feel I've earned my cynicism, right? Like I've been there. I did it. Like, you know, I'm not, I have life experience to base my cynicism. And and by cynicism, I just mean my opinion that like, it's not for me and it's not all it's cracked up to be, right? So I don't, I don't worry about 
I feel secure in how I feel about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not interested in projecting that cynicism on a young person or a right. student, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I totally see how those things can be separate, right? Because every yeah. artist is different. But that said, what I what I do do and what I have found is that I try to with a student, I try to find out what type of artist they are. Because mm -hmm. these days there's there's a few different like archetypes that people are are sort of funneling into. So mm -hmm. the big ones for me when it comes to anyone who wants anything to do with entertainment, concept mm -hmm. art, video games, whatever. Yeah. There's, to me, there's two types. So the first one is the person who really just wants to draw and paint. That's actually mm -hmm. all they care about. They just want to get really good at drawing. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that this job and this industry are the only bucket for that, that they have mm -hmm. found in culture. Right. Maybe right. they know about fine art, but for their temperament or something, fine art seems crazy or something mm -hmm. like that. Or they they've talked to their parents about it. And mm -hmm. the idea of an industry, a commercial industry is much more palatable to their parents than the fine art industry is. So right. either way, they what they have at their core is just they want to draw and paint. And this is the bucket they have found. If I can get this job, I get to draw and paint for the rest of my life. There's that kind of student. And then there's the other one who is product focused. It's less that they love drawing and painting. They must have some inclination towards art making, right? But right. they would, they would, what they really love is video games or movies or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. you can almost figure out who you are, where like for me, I don't feel confused. If you mm -hmm. if, if you if you summoned a genie and the genie was like, Steven, you get to pick. You can either never draw again or never play a video again, a video game again. I wouldn't have mm -hmm. to, I wouldn't have to think. I'd be like, I'll never right. play a video game again. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even hurt my feelings, right? Like <laughs> it wouldn't really, it wouldn't really be a big deal. Um, and, and I like games. I like games a lot, yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. I, I just know in my heart, like I'll just do a different hobby. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but a lot of other people are going to mm -hmm. go, Shit, yeah, you know, and and yeah, a lot yeah. of people are gonna say, take the drawing. Like, I don't know if I could do something with it. It hurts most of the time. I love games, you know. So yeah. mm -hmm. you can almost run that test with yourself mm -hmm. to find out um maybe what you know, it's a spectrum, but you can kind yeah. of find out what side you land on. Mm -hmm. So once you have a feeling of that, I mm -hmm. think that that can actually guide a lot of your choices because yeah. for the the genre slash product focused artist, the one who mm -hmm. really loves video games, right. for them, I would say, you should basically be willing to do anything to work on a video game. A hundred percent. Yeah, you should basically- This, this is verbatim what I've just told a student the other night, exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah, a hundred percent, yep, yep. So for them, I really believe that, right? If yeah. they're pretty far on that spectrum, if they would tell the genie, get rid of drawing, give me the video games forever, yep. I really would tell them, do whatever it takes, change week to week, you know, yep. just go, you know, get in with people from the studios, go for your favorite yep. studio, ape their style, use whatever tool necessary. Because for you, mm -hmm. it's just not that much about the process of making the thing, right? That's the end result. Yeah. Yeah. You want, what you want is you want to be associated with 
Blizzard with Riot or something yep. like that, right? And yep. as bohemian as I am, people are different. I, I yeah. know that people get satisfaction from different things. And mm. if that's the satisfaction that is on the table for a human being, I want them mm. to have it. I want them to, to have it yeah. and to be happy about yeah. it. On the other hand, a student who finds that process really is the, the answer, right? Mm -hmm. it, so it, it, again, it takes different shapes depending on who you are. But for me, mm -hmm. I find like it, it's very important to me that the thing I do be fun to do moment mm -hmm. to moment, right? Yeah. Like it's got to feel good for me, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't get a lot of satisfaction from the final product. And I don't yeah. get, a, I get almost no satisfaction from being on a big project. Right. Like right. there can be some initial excitement there. It can, it can color the lead up, like doing the work, like, oh, well, at least it's for this company. But mm -hmm. then once the product's out, often I forget I did it. Like I, I still encounter things out in the world and I'm like, oh shit, I worked on that. Like I forgot <laughs> that I worked on that until I see it out yeah. in life. And I just don't, you know, it's in one ear and it's out the other. Right. Yeah. For me, I'm a much more process focused artist. For those students, people who are anything like me, mm -hmm. um, I would not give the same advice I would give to another to the other type of student. Yeah, of I would tell them, and I think this might be the harder path to go down, but mm -hmm. you need to carefully prune things out of your life, mainly the bad incentives mm -hmm. that will pull you away from the things you feel you need for your artistic spirit or the yeah. satisfaction that you need to get out of art. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a hard thing to do because, yep. uh, you know, these systems like to pull us the other way because they yeah. stand to gain more from the product than they do from how you feel while you make the product. That's almost irrelevant to anybody yeah. who's selling the final thing. So the energy is always in the current system. The mm -hmm. energy is always going to flow in one direction over the other. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that whole thing you just said is, is I think crucial for students to figure out. I mean, I'm definitely the product person. Like mm -hmm. I just want to be part of, I mean, it's not even just a thing where I'm like, Oh, I want to work for Blizzard because I want to be famous. It's like, I just want to be part of something bigger than me. Yeah. You know, I want to be standing behind a team that does incredible things and like yeah. just say that I was part of it. You know, it was funny when, um, somebody done this the other day and it was actually crazy when I thought about it because we were talking about Overwatch, right. And how, Today, as we're recording, Overwatch 2 is launching and the whole transition is taking part. And uh, he was always, you know, I had this conversation about art and, and being in projects and teams and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, when you play first person shooters, I was like, yeah. He's like, do you play mostly damage roles, tanks? Like, what do you usually mean? I'm like, I don't know if this is relevant, but I usually main supports. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, okay, cool. So you want to heal, you want to buff, you want to get behind your team and make them better. Yeah. That speaks volumes about you, Gordon. I was like, oh, shit. I never, and I never thought about that. But like, yeah, like you subconsciously throughout your life, even in video games, pick these roles and RPGs and everything you do that like, you know, you inherently play the bad guy, the good guy. Do you go wizard? Do you go, you know, like all these things are subconsciously parts of you that are feeding into other things. And the fact that in almost every first person shooter I play, I want to buff and heal and help the team push forward. Just spoke volumes about my intro into the industry and where I want to be I just want to be part of a team helping them and pushing them and elevating them and uh 
you know, I, I mean, I don't know what a, a guy like you would play, but <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, it's interesting to think about, about your roles. Yeah. If Bloodborne is any indicator, an invader, I, yeah. I ruin people's day. That's what I do. <laughs> Just appear with a pistol and a, a hatchet or a butcher cleaver and like, yeah, yeah let's, let's do this thing. That's my role. Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, but, but I mean, he, yeah, he really got right at the heart of you with that one. No, I was just saying yeah. that's a great story. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny to think about it now when you look back and think, how was that even relevant? But then you think back and you're like, oh shit, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, and yeah, the product, yeah, people do just want to be in the games industry, in the movie industry. You know, it's something maybe because they've consumed the media growing up. You know, and, and for me, games definitely, especially because I'm I'm in Scotland. You know, and uh, between here and Ireland, we sold the most PlayStation ones back in the day because when you're on an island escapism is worth its weight in gold so you know playing games initially you know have helped me develop social skills problem solving skills you know um critical thinking you know um, socializing with people i mean they've done so much good in my life um and it's got to a point now where i'm trying to enter an industry that is part of that but it's hard because also you've got to sacrifice certain things and it's like you said with the genie you know giving up the games giving up the drawing if you want to be a good concept designer artist illustrator um you know you kind of have to give up with that part of your life because it's like you said it's a distraction from you know what you're meant to be doing and uh there's so much discipline that has to go into that art form specifically i mean 3d and other disciplines have you know a huge barrier entry and they're not any easier than any other but like i think with drawing there's this fundamental skill that so much relies on your core skills you can't fake that as much i mean with 3D artists, you know, sometimes the program can do things that, you know, you don't have to do because it's figuring it out for you, algorithms, yeah. things in the background, light and perspective. But with 2D, that's all on you. Like if you make a line out of, of whack or like the colors off, you know, you can't fake that in a program because it's physically you that's doing it. And that's the harder sell for students is that you really have to be disciplined to want to do that particular art form. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, but the other thing is that the industries change constantly and yep. very rapidly. Like um, I had someone message me the other day uh, sending me his portfolio. Um, mm -hmm. And usually when someone does that, um, what I need first and foremost is I need you to pick a goal. Like almost mm -hmm. any portfolio without a reason it exists, right? A particular studio, a particular industry is mm -hmm. out of context. They're useless basically. Yeah. Right. Um, so I got the goal from him and he sent me his portfolio, which had a lot of hard work in it. Right. But right. he said, I, th I think I want to work for Ubisoft. Like I want to work for a place that's like Ubisoft mm -hmm. and his portfolio was really heavy on drawing and painting. Right. And he had gained um, good skills in drawing mm -hmm. and painting, right? It wasn't like, it, it wasn't like top tier, but it was definitely mm -hmm. above average, right? And, right. And, and for a lot of drawing stuff, it could be entry level. But right. based on the goal, I had to tell him, and it breaks my heart as the kind of person I am, you know, like mm. I, I'm known for my traditional drawings mostly at this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it breaks my, it break it breaks my heart to have to say it, but I told him, in my, and it's my personal opinion. You know, anyone who works at Ubisoft may think <laughs> I'm wrong, and you know, you should talk to them. But yeah. I told him, like, because I went and researched, I I went and looked, like, all right, let's look at Ubisoft's concept art. Yeah. I was like, I I think 
a portfolio this heavy in drawing and painting will hurt you getting mm -hmm. a job at Ubisoft because right. if, and there's deception in the art industries, you know, that that's a whole other can of worms. But if we look at the product they put out there, right. there's, it's all using photos efficiently yeah. using photography and doing photo yep, bashing. Yep. Yep. So even though it can be a flex to show mm -hmm. that you can actually draw, if mm -hmm. the portfolio is dominated by that and it goes mm -hmm. to the wrong studio, in this case, Ubisoft, it's yep. not going to be a good look. It's instead mm -hmm. going to advertise that it's likely that you're going to waste time trying to draw things when right. you should just be putting a photo in there. Yep. So yep. the, so like I was saying, the industries change constantly. So yeah. e people, students sometimes come to me thinking that I'm going to be like hook, line and sinker to say drawing is everything because that's all I put out there in public, right? Of course. Whether it's digital, whether it's drawing on paper, I don't use any mm. photos. I just draw from my head raw, right? So yeah. they think I'm going to be hook, line, and sinker on that. But sometimes mm. they're surprised when I'm like, only if that's relevant to you. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't begin from that assumption. And if they're coming yeah. at me with an industry goal, it's like, mm. prove it to me. That's my usual sense. I'm like, prove to me that for that goal, you need to draw well, because I, that's actually yeah. not my starting point. There's plenty mm -hmm. of positions where that we can separate things like design knowledge and design mm -hmm. understanding. But just like to draw well by hand is not mm -hmm. necessarily needed for every yeah. kind of art thing, you know? And, yeah. and if it is, it might only be up to a certain level. You don't need to yeah. draw like Carl Kapinski for every damn job, yeah. you know? Yeah. Unless you're doing book covers or stuff or Warhammer or, you know, like you want to go and get those illustrations. I mean, like people who like have the goal, I want to work for Magic the Gathering, right? Cool. You need to be a savant at like drawing and painting. Like that's just a given. Um, you know, Hearthstone, any card game where there's illustrations, book covers, magazines, um, but concept design and its own, like you say, is can involve stuff like photo bashing, photo mm -hmm. textures, 3D with Blender now, of course, or but some people don't even draw. They just make stuff in 3D and take screenshots, and that is the end result. But then if that's what the director wants, what's the art director wants sure then what the fuck why are you even wasting your time drawing um it, that's why i think a goal is so important and you know i think we were having this conversation the other day so myself and antonius the parts um who runs artwad in in the, the european europe he was talking about how you know back in the day when studios hired a ton of photo bashers um a lot of the art that was put out was generic it was it was bland and i think ubisoft we even talked about this from a gamer's perspective that they have a formula now where they put out similar things. I mean, obviously the teams work incredibly hard on a lot of this stuff and, and stuff like Assassin's Creed Valhalla was incredible and, and the, the amount of history and lore that goes into it. Um, but then the painting style, yeah, that is very similar. And I think what people are now seeking is the traditional mediums, is stylizing stuff, is, you know, Riot and Blizzard employ a lot of kind of unique artists because they have a very unique spin, but they are now in a position where they, they built that skill up over years and now they're needed. And I think as we were talking about earlier with AI art, you know, there might even be a thing now where that becomes so generic that people will start to seek out the masters, people who really can put out stylized work or something that's different. It's 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 a hard industry because from when I started back in 2012, when I left my job uh, as an engineer um, to go back to university, art station wasn't even a thing. You know, there was no online learning whatsoever. No one was there, but it was, you know, the old DVD system and stuff like that. And the first stuff I learned on how to draw heads and stuff like that, it was David Finch. It was how to draw heads for comics and stuff, you know, dynamic mm -hmm. heads. So 
even since I've left and the eight years I've done it, like the industry has shifted so much because even concept design at a point wasn't even a job. So, you know, it feels like we're not even settled on industry jobs and there's so many new things that are starting and, and maybe AI artists will be a thing. It will be a job at one point that people do. Who knows? But um, I know you've experienced it on your streams when you've talked about AI art. You've said about, you know, people are saying, ah, oh, you know, it's not really good stuff anyway. And you've kind of said, I wish I could agree with that because I think the stuff is actually quite good. Um, how do you feel? This is a big conversation piece, but AI art in general for what you do, like, are you feeling threatened? Do you see it having a use? Like, where do you sit on the fence? Okay, so I I think this is like the most interesting thing that has happened to us in a very long time. So I've since I've, like Photoshop and three D textures and stuff like that. It's just like as long as right. I've been around. I mean, right. so I. I knew I wanted to go into entertainment and I started looking at video games, movies, the concept art industry when I was around 16 years old. So that means oh, wow. that I've had my eye on it for about 16 years now because I'm 32 now. So right. um, people have been around way longer than that. Sure. But yeah. 16 years is not nothing. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah. I, I've seen a lot of things come and go mm -hmm. um, by my estimation. Mm -hmm. Nothing has ever reached this level of interest, confusion, um, strangeness, novelty, everything. So I think it's a yeah. huge conversation with an immense amount of nuance. And it's a very complicated thing to um, to try to figure out. Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I hardly know where to begin. I hope you don't mind if I just kind of like run. No, 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 no. Just you do your thing. I'll just sit and listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so first off, and, and as we've alluded to before, this is a pretty contentious subject at this mm -hmm. point, which makes sense because we're all so confused, right? And yep. a lot of people's livelihoods and things like that are tied up with it. Um, mm -hmm. But to start off with, just to reference what you asked me, like, do I feel threatened, right? Mm -hmm. So I personally do not feel threatened, but okay. that's interesting. That's interesting on its own, I think, because, okay. okay, I don't feel threatened because I started moving away from the industries back in 2018, like I said, 2018-ish, right. Yeah. right? Now, mind you, I already thought it was a good idea to move away from the industries in 2018 when I had barely heard of AI. Right. Like right. I, I, I'd heard of like dream, dream. What was it? Dream by Wumbo, the one that made everything look like dogs, not Wumbo, uh, <laughs> deep dream, Google's deep dream. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that had been around. So, you know, we had gotten some very like LSD dog pictures that looked like right, other yeah, environments yeah. and things like that. But um, that was about it. And even then mm -hmm. I was interested because I've always been a sci-fi fan. Right. But yeah, yeah. Um, but lesser issues. Right. Issues that I had with downward pressure on rates, the rapid change in the market, globalization mm. and competition, issues like that, which by comparison are much smaller, I had mm -hmm. already been like, you know what? I think I need to expand a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I had started already putting my energy into people, into human beings and right. into making connections with other people rather than staring into the face of this abstraction that is the industry. Yeah. So with this coming onto the scene right now, mm -hmm. I already 
have a platform of human connection. I already have a career teaching art. That teaching, as far as I can tell, is not absolutely predicated on teaching people how to get into the industries. That's not mm -hmm. what most people come to me for. Most right. of my students come to me to draw well. That's what right. they want to do. They see the way that I draw and they're like, how the hell do I do that? Right. And then yeah. what they want to do with it is up to them. And I would actually say not even most of my students and my community specifically want an art job. So my teaching is not predicated completely on being an industry funnel, right? It's right. about drawing at its core. Yeah. And now, very recently, for the first time, um, financially, I'm making as much money doing that as I did in the industries. So, right. so I'm not, um, so I'm, what I'm trying to say is my heads, my bets are hedged very well at this right. point, right? So yeah. if AI becomes a huge thing, I get to keep teaching people how to draw on paper and making of a course. good living off of it. Yep. Things are going well with that. So yeah. that's interesting because like I'm saying, I don't really feel that personally threatened, but mm -hmm. I am way angrier than most people about it. <laughs> so I think that that, I think that that should say something about the nature of the landscape and things like that. Now, when mm -hmm. I say, when I say angry about AI, I want to explain mm -hmm. that because I'm not angry at any individual person. Right. And I'm, I'm well, no artists. Let me say that. Maybe there right, are okay. some people I'm angry at, but no artists. I know how <laughs> artists are. When something amazing comes along, we're artists because we're interested in what is interesting. We're interested yeah, in what is, what is cool and, and strange and new. Like I, I, I totally understand that. So yeah. um, I am literally not angry at any individual person who uses AIs and is playing with them and everything like that. Right. What I'm angry about is the environment around them at the moment. That's, that's what bothers me. Um, mm -hmm. The way that these were produced, the way that mm -hmm. they're being distributed, the way that they are trained off of huge data sets of copyrighted imagery and art mm -hmm. that is made by other people, and they basically refuse to own up to that. Those yep. systems are uh, definitely irksome to me. I, I shouldn't even couch it with irksome. It's like, I just think it's wrong. I think it's very yep. wrong. Um, you know, Carla, you've had Carla, Carla Ortiz on your show. Oh my show. God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She is definitely losing her mind right now over that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I would say that, uh, it, I'm, I'm with, I'm in Carla's boat at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I, have you heard about the UK law that she was talking about the other day? Have you seen that post? Which one? Say again. There's a UK law right now that would mean that, um, these AI generation image things could take copyrighted images from anybody and there's no law against that. In fact, there's a law going in place that they can do that and not be punished. Yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. I think no that's shit. patent insanity. I think that yeah. that's crazy. And I think that that should be resisted. Um, yep. I think, I personally think the AIs should have been launched as with data sets made of creative commons Im mm -hmm. imagery, public domain imagery and opt-in imagery provided by artists who consented to be yeah. in the training set. 
I think that it's up to the artists, but I think that they should be open to compensating the artists who opted in to have it trained. And I think there should be opt-in and opt-out options so that Mm -hmm. artists can say the next time you retrain the model, which is, you know, we're getting into the details of how these things work, but next time you retrain the model, count me out, take me out. You know, it affected my livelihood. It affected such and Mm -hmm. such. You don't compensate me enough. I want to be out. Right. So that's my personal, that, that's what I, that's what I wish they had been. And Mm -hmm. I think that If you had asked any of us, let's say six years ago, let's rewind the clock six years. Mm -hmm. If you had asked, now mind you, back then people, a lot of people would have said, this is actually impossible. AIs can never get that good, right? We learned that they have gotten pretty good. So let's pretend no one would think it was impossible, right? Let's Mm -hmm. pretend everyone you ask would understand it's possible for them Mm -hmm. to surprise us with how good they are and then say, which model do you think is a good idea? The one that I just described where it's creative commons in, in imagery, public domain imagery, opt-in, opt-out, or right. trawl 5 billion images from the internet, including mm-hmm. people's private data, and mm-hmm. train it on that without telling anybody that you're doing it, and then just release the model into the wild for anyone to do whatever they want with. I think yeah. 99.999% of people would have picked the same model. And yeah. then if you offered the mo- the second model, the one we're living mm-hmm. in, everyone would have looked at it and been like, don't fucking do that. Don't yeah. let them do that. I think <laughs> if you run the mental experiment of going back in time, I think it's hard to imagine the crazy person who would be like, let's do the second model. Let's just completely yeah. steal everything on the internet and screw yeah. over everybody and things like that. So I think that that argument from time is very compelling. Um, and I think that a lot of the, what I'm going to describe as a sort of like a momentum or inertia, like just everybody feeling like, well, here it is. And we've been screwed before. So what are we going to do? Like that sort Mm. of bovine acquiescence to the, the matter of fact nature of, of the timeline is really, is really born of the fact that they surprised us. That they mm-hmm. didn't ask, that they weren't vetted, that there was no oversight, that there was really no, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. That's the problem. We're all sort of doing the mental gymnastics to justify it just because they already damn did it, right? Mm-hmm. So I personally am not inclined to just accept that so quickly, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I think that, I think that the acceptance of it is crucial to them. Like with the EU law that you just brought up, like they are depending on artists being ignorant about this, being uncaring about this or being accepting of this. They are depending on that so that it will be easy for them to change Mm. the laws. They, they, the people who have everything to gain from Mm. this are of course, depending on that. They're going to need it. Now, copyright law, the copyright laws on their own are a hairy thing because they change from place to place, right? Something that's going to be legal in one place is going to be illegal in another. And there's Mm. going to be weird overlaps that overlap differently across time as well. You know, things are going to, are, are going to flex and change. Mm -hmm. So the, the litigation side of it is extremely worrying to me Mm -hmm. because 
you know, once you bring something into the courtroom, it's chaos, right? I mean, yeah. if, if you if you have any exposure to legal systems, it's like once you sort of, if you're not naive, right? If you, for example, know anyone who mm. has been to prison or, you know, mm. my father was deported, for example. So I've, mm. I've, I've, I've had some encounters with the legal system. Even if you know anyone mm. who's been through a divorce, mm. you know that once you get into court, it's actually mm. chaos. You never right. know what's going to happen. And mm. it's the commonplace mundane experience of human beings that mm -hmm. when they step into court, they're like, it's obvious I'm going to win. I did nothing mm -hmm. wrong. And then they come out and they're like, holy shit, I'm going to prison. Like the court, the case <laughs> didn't go my way. That is, that's not actually interesting. That's boring. Yeah. That happens yeah. all the time. So mm -hmm. I personally am very worried about the litigative angle because I, yeah. I can easily imagine the organized company or mm. artists are not organized. I can mm -hmm. easily imagine the organized company with bottomless pockets defeating mm. a loose conglomeration of artists in court and mm. putting us in a situation where it's like, it may be legal, but that doesn't mean it's just. There's tons no, of stuff course. like that in yeah. society. Um, so I'm very dubious about the litigation side of it. I'm mm. very worried about how that could go for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, lots of things have gone poorly for us on those fronts. And yeah. I I don't know what it's going to take there, but I do think some amount of teasing these incentive structures and these systems out as a discourse between artists, I think mm -hmm. some amount of that is going to be very important, right? Yeah. Because people just don't have it on their radar as mm -hmm. a thing, as an yeah. important thing. I've already... Um, just from my just from my animalistic screaming so far on my on my yeah. stream uh, on my streams about these things i have already woken up some people who felt neutral about it and suddenly they're right. like oh my god what is going on it's like it really snuck up on them so yeah. um i do feel the discussion is worth it if it's even cluing in a few people into its its gravity um yeah. it's not the most comfortable discussion uh, it sucks that it gets tied up with art, which is very associated with feel people's feelings of self-worth and identity. But um, I think it's a super important discussion to have. And I've I haven't even mentioned the industries yet. I'm just I'm just yeah. I'm just talking about the weird problems around the systems, the way they're making them, the way they're distributing them, and the incentive structures of the companies that are making yeah. them. I think all of this stuff is extremely troubling. It's a deep conversation. There's a lot to go through. And like you said, we could spend a whole hour and a half just talking about AI. Um, I've almost tried to get a panel together, but people are so heated right now. I feel it would explode into just chaos. So I'm trying to avoid it for as long as I can. Talk to you, but <laughs> at least it, it's settled enough that people won't start screaming and throwing things at their, their webcam. Um, well, better to throw it at your webcam than at people on stage. At least. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> It, the way I initially saw it, and I think this still holds true, but there's a caveat, is that if it's opening the door for other people to get any art, that in my sense is, is a positive thing. What I don't agree with, it's what you don't agree with, is that it's scrolling people's work and stealing, essentially. If it was just a data set based on, like you said, copyright-free stuff, where it was just stuff that you could use, Creative Commons, 
totally fine go nuts right. like enjoy yourself like type anything you want spend 24 hours a day making art great i'm, I'm happy for you i'd use but it then i'd be like this yeah, is so cool i'd mess around with it all the time <laughs> i'm the same I've, I've done stuff as well but like yeah like the, the whole legality thing like i know when people back in the day and this is going back maybe i can't remember when it launched maybe even 2010 2011 when spotify launched and people were like oh my god all the music in the world ever and i get to listen to it whenever i want and it just streams straight to my computer and then every artist in the world was like oh fuck you know what i mean like they had this whole thing where it's not the same as the eye in a sense of the tool but like it was a thing where people were having a fight where they wanted to be compensated for the work and you know if they have to stream it they wanted at least some legality and what they could stream and what they were getting back out of it the music industry has definitely faced copyright issues for a long time, especially when it comes to stuff like remix and people peeling, stealing songs. And uh, I mean, I personally love rap myself. And then Notorious B.I.G. was one of the biggest for, you know, taking other people's music and remixing it and rapping over it. Um, but in most cases, he would obviously pay for the rights to use that music. Mm-hmm. Um, but for art, it's a weird thing where people have this view on what we do, especially within the entertainment industry, because they can't discern us between normal people who paint in the street for money and people who work in a massive multi-billion dollar industry they're like you should be getting nothing for your work and time you know you're a creative you should be happy you're getting to do that i have a real job yeah and it's it's such a and then when you start to fight an ai people are like why the fuck do you care i'm like because you know like it's it's such a like you say, even I was ignorant to it at the start where people would say that, like, I think, oh, no, it's great. People are going into art and, you know, it's a tool. It'll just, it'll be like photo bashed in 3D. Like, but it'll just become something you use at one point in the process. But, the, yeah, the legality thing of, you know, and Carla's been the same talking about Greg's work, you know, and how that's been hugely affected. And that's one of the most common things. And I even saw a Facebook post this morning that almost just made, just made me fall on the ground where a guy was tweeting at like one particular artist he was using in the AI generation and he was like I can't remember the artist's name but it was like this guy's job's over once I get better at AI and oh, I was yeah. like oh. Simon Stalinhug that's who he was yeah you've obviously seen yeah, it but yeah. like I was just like oh my god like the gall <laughs> just like yeah. call somebody out like that on their own work I was like oh my god um but yeah it's it's a whole it's extremely worrying to yeah to, to do that to people it's like you said, if it was consent based, that changes everything, right? Like if, if Craig Mullins wants to get paid, you know, a hundred thousand dollars by the company for 600 of his images to train the AI on, right? he consents, he gets rewarded. I'll go, I'll go type into the AI, you know, bunny (laughs) in the style of Craig Mullins. Like there's no, it's that to me is like, that's totally above board. Right. And even better if it has clear opt-out options so that when Craig finds that a director is like, you know what? I don't really need you anymore now with the AI. <laughs> he can tell them like, yeah, take it out. We're done here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no more of that. Like, mm-hmm. um, and maybe he needs to pay back some amount of his royalty, whatever. But yeah. I think that all of that sounds extremely sane to me. That all yeah. makes sense and it's all legally above board. And like I said, if we rewind the clocks Mm-hmm. to a time before when it was sort of matter of fact that these things existed and they were decent, I think everybody yeah. would have wanted that. I think everybody yeah. would have clearly chosen that. So um, I, again, I have to emphasize, like, I think there's definitely a way to do a totally useful, ethical AI system, right? Mm-hmm. That is based on consent. 
Um, all of the other boring arguments around it, like, is it art and things mm. like that? Like, I personally think it is art. Like, I, mm. I think it goes without saying that human beings can express themselves with anything, right? Like, yeah. human, human, you could go pull bottle caps out of the trash and make mm. art with it. Like, uh, it, yeah. the, the, any arguments based on people saying like, oh, you just don't think it's art and you want to gatekeep it. It's like, it's art. It's just, that's not super relevant to the conversation. Yeah. What's relevant yeah. for the conversation is the systems and the people yeah. that are putting it out and how they're doing it. There's also, you know, just cause you brought up the music industry, um, mm -hmm. th this is a recent example. And um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of these examples, it's like time is gonna wash these things away cause things are changing so quickly. But yeah. Um, one of the main image AIs that people are using is Stable Diffusion by Stability mm -hmm. AI, right? Mm -hmm. And it has all of the problems that we've indicated. It's trained on the Lion 5B data set, which is 5 billion data crawled images. Um, mm -hmm. Let's table that for a second, but mm -hmm. it is made by this company, Stability AI, which has a, they're making a multitude of AI offerings. And one mm -hmm. that they have coming out mm -hmm. is um, a music tool. It's called Harmon AI, right? And okay. they are engaging in an egregious double standard. If you go mm -hmm. read the info that has come out about Harmon AI, there, they are mm -hmm. happy to say the same company, right? They, they have these little subgroups that are making these things, but that same umbrella corporation for Harmon AI, they bill as a pro. It is made with all copyright free and creative commons music and music that artists opted in to offer right. to the AI. And then they say themselves, because AI models are prone to memorization and overfitting, it was a must to keep copyrighted data out of the training set. Oft. That, that is a double standard so direct and mm -hmm. so like they're laughably putting their foot in their own mouths with that, that mm -hmm. it really, honestly, I don't know how else to interpret that other than they're bad faith actors. Because to me that reads mm. as if maybe there's some sort of internal civil war or something like that, but that basically <laughs> indicates that they know they did wrong. And mm. just that they're more afraid of musicians than they are of artists. And they, they that, see- Right they, there. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's it's a, exactly it. It's yeah. a more litigious industry, a more unified industry with better. You're dealing with millionaires. If Nicki Minaj or Taylor Swift gets pissed off that you're sampling their songs, they can sue you for millions. We can't do that. Exactly. We don't have that power. So, Artists in the industry make some of them make decent money at big studios, but like you're not talking on the same level as like Taylor all. Swift and stuff. Yeah. Not at all. And I think yeah. that they are aware of that and they know mm. that the the scale of the problem, um, mm. let's say it's theft. I don't know, let's call mm. it theft. But if yeah. <laughs> the scale of the theft almost mm. numbs the mind. It's like, yeah. it'd be easier to get behind um, they stole Craig Mullins art. It's easier to get behind that than mm. they stole 5 billion pieces of art. That The scale yeah. of that numbs the mind. You're just like, uh, you know, I don't know what to <laughs> so do. Everybody's art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it. I think they understand that we are art. Visual artists are not inclined to unionize, to litigate, mm -hmm. to right. 
be contentious. You know, artists just want to stick their head in the sand and hide in a hole. And, um, and that if they do it on a big enough scale, no one's going to know where to strike. Right. So, right. um, that's my interpretation of that egregious double standard. There's other ones, like I said, you could say there's a civil war and that within their company, these people are, you know, more mm -hmm. on my side and the other people are more, I don't know what to, what to call the position yeah. that they took, but whatever it is, there is a deep inconsistency going mm -hmm. on there. And, um, yeah. it's not a good look for us that we would let them sort of walk all over us on those mm -hmm. particular points. Uh, mm. very frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I think we're going to have to watch play out, but I know from some of the books I've read, there's one I've just read recently called the fourth turn and where it talks about, um, how humankind revolves round and round in these 80 to hundred year cycles where the same things can happen over and over again. And the fourth turn in the one we're in just now is what they call the crisis, uh, part of it, where everything in the world is upheaved, you know, global crisis with finances, finances, you know, wars, uh, things going on globally. Um, and that is supposed to culminate in around 2028, 2029, because the fourth turn started in 2008 with the financial crisis of so the, the global financial crisis. Um, and they last about 20 years. So they reckon by 2028, 29, 30, um, the world will go back to the, what they call the first turn which is the age of prosperity where there's money for everybody, there's jobs, there's loads of things going on that people, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, and the thing they talked about as well is with the next turning is that um, AI would play an integral part. It would almost decimate something like 30% of the global job market where most jobs would be taken up by AI. Um, and that could be, you know, we might see an evolution in the driving mechanic where um, long haul drivers, taxi drivers and stuff like that are replaced with, self-driving cars um and then within our entertainment industry you know some aspects of the art would be handled yeah. with ai and it's hard to determine and predict what that would be what parts of it would, would be taken over um but then looking at the last two years you know concept design and and you know blue sky stuff is definitely i think on that list and i think the more niche you can go with your career and also the more slightly technical then you can safeguard some of that um like we were talking about earlier with your brother and user interface like that seems like one of those jobs that would still be needed would still be around would still be one of the things that people are really looking for um because everything needs ui not just you know the games you know tv movies everything um so yeah there's definitely a way to kind of safeguard that but it's difficult because i know why people also are, are scared in the fact that they've spent 10 15 years getting good at what they do and now to think that they have to now again shift um it's it's unnerving yeah I, well, I cannot, yeah well on that particular point let me um let me just muse on on that a bit that turning right of like oh yeah. you did this for 10 15 years and mm -hmm. it sucks to have to shift because the the usual reaction to that and it's weird to mm -hmm. say usual about an argument that's only a few months old at this point yeah. but yeah uh, having engaged in these arguments to the annoyance of just about everybody <laughs> that I've met, um, uh, there is the common rejoinder of like, well, just that's what it is to be in these industries, like just mm. adapt, right? Like just, right. just get with it. And that mm. often comes bundled with a lot of the other, for me personally, boring arguments of like, it's just another tool. It's like, I must vehemently right. disagree. It is not another tool. 
but yeah. I, I can come back to that. But mm-hmm. um, the the sort of punkish like reaction that people have of just like, well, yeah, you you learned it for fifteen years, but you know, sucks to be you. Like you know, <laughs> bad luck of the draw on the really you know. It's not mm. like you didn't get thoughtful about it, and it's not like anyone mm. becomes an artist easily. It's incredibly yeah. hard to become okay. an artist. Yep. So, yep. um, it's like if you were going to be thoughtful about what you chose to do. Art mm. is one of the things that demands the most thoughtfulness from you. And almost yeah. day to day being like, is there still a good goddamn reason to do this? You know, like, <laughs> to sit down and do it again. So I actually really don't like the usual punkish reaction to that that is mm. going on. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't just because that has been the course of history that, mm. oh, well, you know, that's the random turning of technology. So too yeah. bad for you. Mm-hmm. That does not, that is no consolation on yeah. the loss of human capital and human opportunity. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a little cold and honestly comes off as like petulantly childish yeah. in the face of this is specifically to give the fruits of that sector to a senseless mm-hmm. machine. You know, there's yeah. no no joy will be gained by the AI doing more creative work. No, 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 uh, the AI cannot enjoy the fruits of its labors, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we are letting the random turning of technology Mm -hmm. displace and steal a huge amount of the available moment to moment happiness and satisfaction and meaning that is available from Look, art making jobs have their problems, but mm. people do them for a reason. They go for them mm. because they think they'll be fun, and they often are fun to some degree once you get into yeah. them. To give that to a robot mm-hmm. just because it's possible is mm. to by my liking deeply anti-humanist. It's like to what yeah. end? What why do we want to do that? Who is yeah. this for? Why are we building this system? It makes very mm-hmm. very little sense to me. And again, mind you, that's coming from someone who I don't do that anymore, right? Like it's not, I'm, I'm, it's not me losing their job over that. It seems completely nonsensical. Um, and I don't, yeah, I'm really not jiving with the, um, the, the arguments that are like, well, you know, the American auto worker, they, they, uh, that the same thing happened to them, like tough bricks. It's like, you're just going to brush off, like. I mean, towns were decimated by that mm. automation. The uh, we are still feeling the effects on our economy of the fact that oh, Detroit as well, yeah. When I was like, yeah. it had huge detrimental mm. effects that we are still working out. It changed our politics. It changed our overall energy, the way that we mm. perceive our country. Mm. It is not a small dismissive thing mm. to ignore that those were islands of order in a sea Mm. of chaos that we just wholesale clicked off right and then those families triggered the opioid crises and you know they (laughs) they couldn't afford they they, it it produces all of these other problems right it's like the the chaos theory where like the butterfly flaps its wings in tokyo and then in new york there's a rainstorm you know like it's the thing where there's this overlapping effect that happens cascades the domino effect that when one plant, we had it here in Scotland in a place called Motherwell where my, my dad was born. Um, when they closed the steel factory there, like, yeah, everybody lost their jobs. The, the town went to shit. Everybody 
went on benefits and, and government aid. Like, yeah, like yeah. it's felt worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. What well, I think mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I also can look at history and see that that stuff has happened, but mm -hmm. it is completely callous to ignore the suffering that mm -hmm. our family members have gone through. And it's like, yeah, those were people. And again, the it's like, maybe that's what happens in history, but it seems mm -hmm. just, but why, man? Why, why not yeah. choose the people, you know? Because money, because yeah, money, because money, because profits, because corporations, if anything over the last 20 years, and we've seen the way capitalism has ruled, your country especially, like in ours, I mean, the UK is definitely um, part of it, but um, yeah, like people will always put profits over people every single time. Um, and it's almost like, you know, uh, archaic in the way of thinking, but if you go back to look at like how her evolution has went through history and civilizations is that, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, people like you and I would have been relatively poor, you know, living in squabbles where people who were rich lords, you know, majesties royally would have everything, you know, almost in an overabundance. And you look at the world now where, you know, people, especially with the energy crisis we're having in the UK, people are really struggling to pay their bills. They're really struggling to feed their kids where we now have, because of COVID, we have, 25 new billionaires in the country and like you know that distribution of wealth is seen globally now you know especially in the u.s like where you guys have like bezos who's out you know taking rockets to space well a lot of his factory yeah. workers 1500 of them died in that facility because they couldn't go home during the hurricane you know what i mean like you know not get political or like really deep into like the world but you know you're talking about you know why would people pick that and i'm like i can see why people would pick it and why a company especially like if you can hire one ai machine versus 15 concept artists yeah it's going to win every time yeah, yeah. I mean, In, so, indeed yeah. the 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 trick is that just like the banality of knowing that's what happens mm -hmm. i don't think justifies just accepting it outright every time of course it happens yeah. because we all know we're being ill-served by that yeah. system so i it seems a bad idea to just accept it and mm. even the way you put it it's like yes they're going to choose money every time but the they yeah. is companies is yeah. is these these things that don't actually exist in the u.s we've tried our best to make them people there's laws that say <laughs> companies are people but yeah. but in reality they don't mm. exist they're not yeah. real things, right? There's someone mm. who, ben you know, the CEO and the stockholders mm. who will benefit from what it does. It's yeah. never the people choosing mm. to lose their jobs and to have nothing to do and just to be hurled into the chaos of not of having course. any structure in their lives and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, so I, I just, oh God, it's not something to just accept lightly. I don't no, think. No, Especially, like I said, when it is coming on the back of a ill-conceived and weird system that yeah. we don't understand and that is doing some pretty fucked up things um, yeah. to trigger this. Um, the, God, it's so deep. And, and if I could just uh, go uh, go back to um, the, um, the it's another tool argument, yep. right? Because yep. this, this one for me in our industry, because we're these mm -hmm. kinds of nerds, right? Especially mm -hmm. if you're in the digital art world, um, yeah. it's the most low hanging fruit argument. So I just want to mm. quickly look at it. Yeah. I'm not a Luddite, right? Like I, I happen <laughs> to be known for my traditional art online now, right? That's what yeah. mo my pencil drawings are. Most of what's on my YouTube and why people come to me, but yep. I have a digital art commercial career. And just to 
again, explain my, I started making digital art in MS Paint when I was like six or seven. I did my yeah. first 3D renders at 10 in Bryce 3D. Mm -hmm. I did, oh, wow. <laughs> I've been using Photoshop since I was 13. I did mm -hmm. my first Maya animations of an ATST falling from a cargo ship when I was 14 or 15. I've right. always used new cameras, the new editing softwares. Um, I sculpt in VR. I stream yeah. art on YouTube, for God's sake. I'm yeah. surrounded by three monitors, one of which I can draw on. I record my pencil drawings on a $3,000 camera. Um, yeah. I, if you think I mm -hmm. resist tools, you're mm -hmm. nuts. Because and, uh, just to keep going, even after I left the, uh, after I started moving away from the industries, I mm. learned Blender for fun. I learned how to sculpt in 3D in, mm. in, in VR for fun. Mm. I love tools. I've been yeah. using them my whole life and never begrudgingly. Every mm. time that I've learned them, I learn them happily. They're some of my, my favorite times in art making, yeah. the like the month long heat of like learning a new program and you're just like, you're yep. figuring out what it does and things like that. Mm. I love that stuff. And I only want yep. more of those mm. things, right? Yep. To make an analogy again to the auto workers, mm -hmm. when the auto workers were on the assembly line, mm -hmm. throughout the history of their production, there would have been many new tools introduced, right? So mm -hmm. one day someone would have come in and said, we use this wrench now. And they would have been like, mm -hmm. ah, this goddamn wrench. It's not the wrench I like using. And they were wrong. Mm -hmm. They should have just used that wrench. And then someone yeah. came in and said, well, now we use this kind of powered riveting gun, right? And they're like, yeah. well, I don't like riveting like that, but goddamn it, I'll use the riveting gun, right? Mm -hmm. And at each one of those turns, they would mm -hmm. have indeed been wrong to resist. It was a tool, right? And there would yeah. have been small changes to the incentive structure. Maybe they had to work longer hours, maybe... Mm -hmm it slightly improved productivity such that maybe they would hire a few less people per year. But yeah. one day, one day, mm -hmm. the gate of the factory rolled open and they rolled in a KUKA arm. And on mm. that day, the people who said we shouldn't use the KUKA arm for mm -hmm. the auto workers would have been right. That was mm -hmm. the one. The KUKA mm -hmm. arm, if, if you, if for the people who don't know the, the industry lingo, the KUKA arm is the robot, is the biggest brand of robot arm that does automation on lines and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. With that particular one, that was the one. That was the killer. Yeah. That was the one where, ah, it wasn't a tool, it was a mm -hmm. replacement. There was mm -hmm. a significant difference there. Yeah, yeah. And, and the threat with these AIs, I think, mm -hmm. is that, as someone who has used tools their whole life, I don't think it's a tool. It's a replacement. Right. And okay, now let me get some caveats there, right? Mm -hmm. People say, no, it is a tool because I'm sitting in front of it right now doing prompts and turning dials, right? Right. I think that, that to think that that's what it's going to be forever is a mm -hmm. failure of imagination because most people mm -hmm. didn't know these things existed eight months ago, right? Yeah. So, I would argue the prompting is going to stop. That's my big yeah. argument. I, I see, or it's clear to me that you look at something like Midjourney, right? Which right. makes all prompts publicly permanently available. It's a huge mm -hmm. data set of not just the images everybody's making, but also mm -hmm. the words that they used. Guess what? Mm -hmm. When you're prompting, 
you're training the next part of the AI. The AI yeah. is learning what people want, what they're asking for. And unfortunately, what's happening with these things right now is that the most tasteful people in the world are telling the robot a hundred times a day, here's what I want to see, here's what I want to see, here's what I want yeah. to see. Now, this is, I have to admit, in the, in, the, in the spirit of honest debate, I have to admit mm -hmm. here that this is fortune telling, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's much of a jump to see that once they have enough data, they don't need you. Just run yeah. it on autopilot. The mm -hmm. AIs are just as good at generating strings of text as they yeah. are at generating images. They can yeah. run it on autopilot. It prompts itself. And honestly, mm -hmm. the speed at which you type is just a limiting factor for yeah. a company whose real product here is that they can produce an infinitude of images with yeah. very little overhead, right? So yeah. I think the, we, you mentioned earlier the idea of getting a job as an AI like artist, right? Mm. Which I'm, mm. I'm thinking of that as like a, the dream of getting a job as an AI soothsayer. You're like the guy trying to pull the cobra out of the out of the, the basket using your flute. It's like I don't think that's going to be around long. You know, I really right, yeah, I, yeah. I don't see it's going to get good enough, fast enough, and be so good at honestly knowing your intentions before you know them. Uh, mm -hmm. I, which I really, for other reasons, I think is very possible. Um, mm. That the idea of getting a soothsayer job is pretty. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think that that's yeah. coming. Um, and at that point, it will have functioned for a huge amount of jobs. And again, I want mm -hmm. to drive a point here. We like making art. It's not like mm -hmm. screwing a door to a car, right? Which you can yeah. love for the great life that it gives you. The difference mm -hmm. with art is that we like making art. Why are we automating mm -hmm. one of the few things human beings really like doing, right? Creativity, yeah. For that thing, at that point, it will have proven itself to not be a tool. It would have been the KUKA arm coming into the factory. It will be a replacement, mm -hmm. not a tool. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I think that that's only a matter of time. And if the timelines that this has been occurring on are any mm -hmm. indication, it will surprise yeah. us. It will surprise us how quickly it happens. I mean, a lot to unpack there, but- A lot. What right? I think, a lot, yeah. I think with my journey, what I'm seeing is, beta testers i'm seeing people who are testing a software that eventually people will commercialize and then sell to studios at a profit yeah um the one thing i noticed in my journey the other day is they have this new remaster mode where once you have upscaled or had the variation you want at the picture it has an option now where you can remaster it and what it actually does is it makes the painting more like a painting because the biggest complaint people had was when you looked at ai is that it didn't look like a paint and just looked like AI gen generated a mess. Yeah. So when you press this button now, it makes it more like a painting because they're like, well, that's something people want. So now they're adding the button because they've had the feedback. So yeah, like another year, two years, it might become Google might sell it as a commercial product to studios and be like, type in anything you want, or they'd have maybe predetermined like sci-fi buildings, whatever. Yeah. And as you press the button, it gives you the result or many results yeah. based on the data set. And I think that's probably closer to where it's going to go, where you'll beta test this tool. The people, the, the thousands of people in Midjourney Discord just now are beta testing that. And then eventually it will be whoever comes to the market quickest with that data set. 
I yeah. think so. I, I think it's pretty, if you take off your rose colored glasses about it, there's, there's not a lot of great outcomes to the fact that they are collecting the prompts and what people want and people's preferences by the millions, right? That's, yeah. There's not a lot of good outcomes there. Even the idea that people have of like, oh, well, at least someone will always need to pick which is the best option it generates. It's like, bud, every time you prompt stable, it gives mm -hmm. you, what, four to 12 options, you know, depending what mm -hmm. model you're using. And then mm -hmm. you, it's not like they don't know which one you're picking. They show mm -hmm. you 12 and then you're telling it hundreds of times a day, that's the best one. That's the best mm -hmm. one. That's the best one. It's yep. all training data all the mm -hmm. way down. And they're, they are doing the classic big data stuff that we've seen mm -hmm. go wrong with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Mm -hmm. They're doing that with the prompts, which mm -hmm. is your preference, any changes that you make, you modifying the prompt when it gives you an unsatisfactory result, right? The mm -hmm. feedback that people are giving it. Um, I agree. I think it's inevitable that we will look back on this time and we'll be like, ah, that was a very shrewd way to get people to continue to train the model for free. And yeah. then once it's up to snuff, yeah, I think that they will sell it. I want to point out now, again, any particular company or anything like that, knowing mm -hmm. how these things go in history, people mm -hmm. won't even know these names in six months because 800 right. other companies will have come up. Another one will be mm -hmm. the major one, but to, mm -hmm. to date this conversation and mention stable diffusion, like, mm -hmm. which I'm bringing that one up because stability, stable diffusion is currently open source, right? So yeah. people say, well, it can't, they can't take it away from us. It's open source. I just want to point out one, stability is a for-profit company and mm -hmm. the CEO of stability, Ahmad, uh, I forget his last name, but Ahmad was a hedge fund manager for 19 years. And... <laughs> He is going after a $1 billion valuation for stability. If that yeah. sounds like somebody who is inclined to give you your favorite toy for free forever, I don't <laughs> think you've been on this planet for very long. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to continue to point out that um, if he's going for a billion dollar valuation, that means he's going to bring on investors. That's where he's going to, that's what that will produce. Mm. And investors who give huge amounts of money usually wind up on the board of directors. So even if you're delusional enough to think that Ahmad is doing this for the love of art when he's been a hedge fund manager for 19 years, you think every investor he brings on the board of directors wants to give you your favorite toy for free? And God mm. help you if he does an IPO and becomes a publicly traded company, because mm -hmm. then he will have a fiduciary that is legal responsibility to always be increasing shareholder value, which is a little bit of a hard sell when you give your product away for free. And the, yeah. re the rejoinder there is that people say, well, I already have it. I downloaded Stable Diffusion version 1.2. Mm. It's sitting on my computer and I can run it offline. And it's like, well, if you want to use the old model forever, but people are ignoring that it costs $600,000 to train Stable Diffusion V1 point, whatever it's on. So yeah, yeah you can have this old version now, but mm. if you want to keep up and you want to keep stealing Simon Stalinhog's style or whatever, <laughs> um, you're going to, you're going to want to update the training set. And unfortunately, mm. The way the models are currently designed, from my understanding, I'm not a machine learning guy, but from my understanding, mm -hmm. 
if you want to update the data set, you need to retrain it again for $600,000. So it is, yeah. it may be sitting on your computer, the old version, but to mm. improve it, you can change weights, you can turn dials. But if you want to retrain the, if you want to retrain it on an updated data set, it is restrictive, which will keep you completely linked to the progress, the progress and what you yourself claim are benevolent releases from these companies that are for profit. Mm. So from my reading of that, mm -hmm. again, that environment, that system, you mm -hmm. basically have to wish for a fairy tale land where these people want you to have this for free so that you can make your anime yeah. or whatever it is. It's just, <laughs> dog, it's not going to oh, go dude, down that oh, way. The fucking anime, the anime stuff that I've been seeing recently, like the giant tittied fucking women and like, yeah. oh my God, Twitter's just losing its mind at this moment. But like... Yeah. Yeah, I, it's like this part, whole. The funniest part for me is the people who didn't care before, but as soon as, as soon as they saw I could do boobies, they're like, "Oh, oh yeah. now I'm now I really care." I'm like, "Oh my god, these are I mean, our warriors." Wall, in this yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was one of the things. I think it was Lizette. It was one of the the former art directors at, at Double Fine, and she had posted, um, "Men, we're going to give you this incredible AI technology that can vastly improve, you know, function and blue street, blue sky." idea ideation and stuff like that and then it's like also men and it's like the the anime teddy pictures it's like yeah. you know like it's like the the two ends of the scale are crazy and uh and yeah like the ai itself yeah it's one of these things you talk about like for profit i mean there was the whole article recently about i think it was even last year where the ai engineer the machine learning engineer who left google had talked about um the ai that's at google had become sentient mm -hmm. and how he had reported on that and how that was dangerous and even Elon Musk, you know, I've seen him in some podcasts, especially with Joe Rogan, where he's talked extensively about his, you know, you know, uh, upset ideas that, you know, AI is going too fast and that it should be slowed down and that, you know, he's talked to people for a long time about, you know, it really should have regulations and things put in place where people just can't go crazy with it. You know, there's, yeah. there's a certain ethical part of it that has to be implemented in a company. Um, and he has talked extensively about it, but people just won't listen to him because they want to be, you know, the first to market with this new crazy toy that can make them yeah. the, billionaires. And yeah, the yeah. problem that he that he pointed out there seems to be mm. that there's a big gap in the middle where most people mm. don't believe they're good. Most people mm -hmm. don't understand. They've mm -hmm. OK, first off, almost nobody has even heard of them. Right. Like even yeah. with like our world is very insular, you know, we're all nerds. Yeah. We're up on this stuff. We love technology, yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. So we're inclined to know. But let's be serious yeah. here on the global scale. Most human beings have not caught on that art making AIs or really any kind of AI is really a go thing. going yeah. through anything. So there's <clears throat> those people at one end of the spectrum. There's a gap in the middle where then you mm. there. The other most people who do know see that they're very good, and then the people who program them and who work on them are mm -hmm. extremely incentivized to, like you said, they want to be the first to market. They they mm -hmm. see how good it is, and th because they know it's good, they're like, there's a lot of money to be made here and things like that. So mm -hmm. they are inclined to rush headlong into it. And what mm -hmm. we're getting here, sorry about that. What we're getting mm -hmm. here is. Um, it's like they're trying to sneak it in under the wire, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they want to, at least that's what it seems something like Stable did, right? Mm -hmm. Putting out this product open source with a huge trawl data set that they didn't ask anyone's permission to use, right? Mm -hmm. It's like 
it wasn't on anyone's radar. And they're like, once we put it out there, they can't stop us. And they have every incentive to do that because off of the sheer news, they have a billion dollar valuation. So they're trying to get it in under the wire before people in general have realized like, oh my God, they're actually better than you'd think. They're actually Mm -hmm. quite good at doing Mm -hmm. these things. That's just not on enough people's radar. So I think that the, the gap in the middle between mm. the understanding of them, between people who know nothing and the people who get what they do, um, yeah. is what is allowing these ethical sneaks, these shoving mm. it in under the wire and just kind of like wah, putting it out there yeah. without really any oversight. Because like I said, even most artists, they're, they don't know what's going on. They're not aware about what's going on. And, and they maybe haven't looked at a lot of AI art and seen just mm. how good it can do at a lot of yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we laugh about the big titted anime girls, but like some of the paintings I've seen, as ludicrous as they are, are done well enough. Like the oh, yeah. faces are generally quite done well. They have clothing, the cloth. It, it, it looks like a, you know, I, I've seen people obviously because like, I obviously love that kind of art where people do more anime style stuff. And you know, I've just finished watching uh, uh, Edge Runners on on Netflix and loved all that. And the guys who obviously did, developed that, the studio in Japan love that kind of stuff so i do appreciate those artists who make that other kind of you know like even rake like the the guy you probably know as well like who makes yeah, that kind of rake, stuff yeah. yeah yeah so like you know he obviously that's part of his his daily thing is he makes stuff like that so um but then yeah when you look at the ai stuff it is like yeah that is pretty close to what he's doing now like it's not even like you know i mean the hands yeah sure they're still a little flay in what they're doing and, and other bits and pieces but well i i 90%, i'm not sure the people who are in the market for big tittied anime girls are really looking at the hands. I, I think they no, 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 that slide. <laughs> I think they'd be willing fair to point. that slide. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair point. Uh, but like, yeah. So, um, but no, but like, yeah, you look, I think when I initially looked at this stuff back even a year ago, you were saying to yourself like, yeah, it looks okay, but it's not quite there. It's, yeah. you know, the faces weren't right. And blah, blah. But now, yeah, that stuff is like, wow, like how the fuck, like, you know, it, it's so close to, it looks quite, you know, j- yeah, like somebody could spend a hundred hours on a painting like that and maybe not even come that close, you know, and that's the scary thing. Yeah, I um, mean, as, as yeah. someone who's very, um, you know, I've been looking at a lot of art my whole life mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. teaching art and learning from the best, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I, don't like most stuff. I think most mm-hmm. stuff is bad. I don't, I don't know how to put it nicely, right? It's just like... Yeah. It, What's your taste? Yeah, yeah, it, it's just my taste. It's just I, I have Ooh. pretty, you know, I've seen enough where it's like a picture yeah. has to be really good for me to think it's good. As and, your skill level also evolves, that yeah. will change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, as someone in that position, yeah, I hate to tell, I hate to tell people, but it's like they're pretty goddamn good. They're pretty yeah. goddamn good, and the and whatever the problems are, the real issue is that they're pretty goddamn good in twenty seconds. That's a real yeah. problem. <laughs> Yeah. That's a real yeah. problem. Like 20 seconds versus 20 hours painting something. And it's you giving know, you that four level. in 20 seconds. It's not giving yeah. you one. It's giving you choices. Yeah, it's giving <laughs> you options in 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So. You, can maybe, you can maybe paint, tw- you know, four thumbnails in 20 seconds if you spent five seconds per thumbnail. But like, you know, like you couldn't do it to that level, no. you know, and not it's only going to get better. It's not going to get worse. So like, yeah, where we'll be in a year from now is, is, is a scary prospect. But I digress. I don't want to talk about AI forever because I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I know because it's. I mean, it is becoming an all-encompassing part of our industry, and and I kind of hate that just now that there's a whole thing going on about yeah. it. But 
just before we we wrap up and i think in the last segment what we really should talk about is your drawn course oh, which thanks. is just launched um i think a couple of weeks ago month ago something like that uh, yeah now. about i guess it's been two months now like going over wow. two months yeah i launched it back in the middle of july it was like july 15th or something yeah like yeah. That. yeah um for for someone who's done meds maps and has seen your uh random appearances in in the forest <laughs> dressed up to the oh, you know the random wow. encounters i thought which, which were great um your advert for launching it i think also was brilliant um Thank and you. i think it was a great you know like i think what I loved about, again, going back to James Douglas, our buddy um, in NY, when he first got in the scene, he'd done a couple of the things where he had pulled his background of doing cool skits and, and you know, off comedy stuff and um, I'd mixed that with the art stuff. And I thought, um, I actually thought if he'd continued on that path, he would have had his own, like, almost like Jazza style channel, like where people would have came for the fun and laughs and art. Yeah. And not just the art, but now it's obviously he's very art focused. But, um, why was this a thing that you thought you wanted to dive into? I mean, I know at one point, you know, like you said, teaching just became a thing, but like the the whole course, was that just something that, was that almost something even that Akhmed was inspiring at a sense when he was building MedsMap? Was that part of a conversation where you were trying to think of how your own way to do that? Or was that something you had way before? Ahmed, Ahmed was definitely a, a big inspiration. I mean, after mm. he after he put his out, he, he specifically told me that I should consider doing one, that I should do, mm. do one. And I, you know, I always take meds, advice seriously we've always sort of yeah. um we have a relationship where it's like i'll try something i'll tell him you should try this he'll try something yeah. you should try this and we basically always do it you know we, we, we yeah, always yeah. try the thing the other one's doing but mm. um um so he was definitely a direct inspiration but it it landed on me if 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 the environment hadn't already been there he would have told me to and i would have been like nah you know i would have been like oh maybe but um yeah. there had already been some stuff uh, coming up from my teaching experience where I saw it was a good idea. And then that's mm. why when he told me basically that day, I started working on it. Right. Um, so the, well, first off I got into teaching, not because I thought it was like time or like I wanted a separate income stream or something like that. They wound up, they wound up doing that. But right. the real reason that I did it was because people started asking me to teach. Mm. It, it was, it was a natural product. So, uh, I, I just started getting with some regularity, like, like two to three messages, DMS, like a week of people mm -hmm. saying, teach me how to draw like you. So, yeah. um, once I was getting those with great regularity and they were specific, mm. you know, they were like in mm. this kind of way for this kind of thing. Um, I was like, I guess I should probably start teaching because there's clearly, mm. I didn't need to make a market for it. I, the market's kind of all demands already there. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, and this was a while ago, but yeah, that's when I started doing my first one-on-one -on -one mentorship students. So right. I would just onboard one person at a time and I do calls with them one-on-one. -on -one. That was how I began mm -hmm. teaching. And mm -hmm. then one, still the demand started increasing and the mentorships were going well. People really were really liking them and getting a lot of value out of them. So mm -hmm. then I started, uh, when my first college teaching opportunity came up at a art center, I was like, it's a good idea. You know, I, I know how to do this. I, I have some experience one-on-one -on -one. let's do it in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Then, um, then once I found that I liked that the classroom, um, I did a digital version of that. I started doing my workshops, which are, uh, they, they aligned with the pandemic a bit, but, um, over zoom, you know, we just run it like a regular right. classroom. Um, and we, we, 
uh, I was doing that with groups of 10 students at a time. Mm -hmm. And I always included the like mental stuff in there. Like my people really come to me, it seems for like the willingness to tackle, not just like, let's do these pieces in your portfolio. Let me draw over your mm -hmm. stuff. But then also like, oh, <laughs> what's hurting your heart? Like what's really <laughs> driving you crazy and things like that. And, and yeah. bringing in the mental stuff and being open to that. Mm. So all of that was great for that. But mm. with the experience I had teaching in all of those ways, mm. I found that um, it was actually difficult at the level that I wanted to do it to teach mm. the technical knowledge in that context. I could always right. do diagrams. I could always do, um, I could always do, talking, explaining through something. But with mm. somebody, when somebody asked me, like, show me how to render a sphere, I always had mm. to be like, it would take two hours. Like, are you going right. to watch me do that on this phone call for two hours? Mm. And right. then is that going to be the only thing we do? And then it's gone, right? So yeah, yeah. once I realized there was that gap, that put the seed in my head that I was like, I'm actually surprised to find for the technical stuff, I do really believe pre-recorded content edited, mm -hmm. controlled, actually is the best teaching method. Um, yeah. I still think one-on-one -on -one or group setting is best for the mental stuff, is best mm -hmm. for goal setting, is best for designing portfolios. But for mm -hmm. the actual nitty-gritty drawing technical knowledge, um, pre-recorded content actually is the way to go. Uh, mm -hmm. And I just found that, like I said, because I kept finding it very difficult to get around to it in all of the mm. other contexts. So yeah. I had that in my head for like a year or two. And I, I yeah. played around with it in my head. Like, how would I do that? Maybe I just put it all on YouTube. But then how do you people lose YouTube videos? You know, like people right. have whole eras of their YouTube that you don't even know are there because you only see the <laughs> recent stuff. Right. So I was like, so that <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem ideal. But I just kind of brushed it off. And then that's why when Ahmed told me I made a course, you should make it. It's working well. I was like, that's it. Mm. That's how you do it. Yeah. So I made form from imagination, which mm -hmm. is specifically designed to help people gain the confidence to draw out of their head with great verisimilitude, like to yeah. have form, to have structure, to have comfort, mm -hmm. inventing things that look realistic. We could debate what mm -hmm. realism means, but um, yeah, yeah. basically like if you've seen my art, stuff like that, like winging it, yeah. but still giving it structure and solid rendering and giving it dimensionality. Um, yeah. and being comfortable making things up from your mind. Um, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun to make. I basically took at the beginning of this year, I took basically six months off. I did, I went into a hole and only worked on the course for six right. months straight. Um, so it was a huge period of doing all the demos, rewatching the recordings of all the demos and writing the scripts for everything that I said, recording right. my voiceovers it's a lot of work because it's over, I think it's, it's near 60 videos across the whole thing. It's a, wow. it's a ridiculous amount of hours. And it's like, mm -hmm. um, it's just, it was a ton of work. Then I had to edit everything, do all of the work of uploading it and all that. But yeah, yeah. it was six months of only doing that. I basically did nothing right. else. I ran one workshop in uh, February. And then after that, it was mm -hmm. all, uh, it was all just working on this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's out now you should check it out. The, um, mm -hmm. Right now, it's um, I really believe in feedback for art mm -hmm. courses. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, as I've said, my background is from doing one-on-one -on -one group settings, college classes. So, yep, yep. 
to me, feedback is super, super important. So yeah. um, right now, I'm only saying right now because there's just from messages and people talking to me, there's a little interest in an alternative. But the way that I launched and the way it is right now, it's feedback only. Like it's for feedback. So right. you get the course. It's a course you're doing with me just in an asymmetrical sense. You watch right. the pre-recorded content. You do the assignments at your own pace. We have our mm -hmm. community page. You post to the community and I give feedback mm -hmm. on everything. I mean, as far as I know right now for the tons of assignments that people have posted, I haven't missed one. I'm doing feedback on absolutely right. everything. Diagrams, drawovers, um, everything like that. But um, that way people aren't alone. And uh, as I would describe the course as exhaustive, but <laughs> um, in this way, it's art. Art is so huge and so broad that even if you tried to cover it as I did, um, these foundational exercises and moving all the way up to much more complex material, um, there's still always more to say. So the feedback allows me to cover areas that I didn't quite get to, to adjust people's personal problems. Like you're focusing too much on this aspect, relax yep. on this, tighten this. Yep. Um, and it's been great. I mean, the, the community that's built up around it is wonderful. The, the, the assignments are humbling as well. Like, right. uh, I worked my ass off on the demos, but I get such a rush every time someone posts something where I'm like, shit, that's better than my demo. They did an excellent job. Like that's always, <laughs> that's always really exciting. It's super inspiring. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's the course. If you're interested in something like that, uh, I'd love to have anybody aboard. You could check it out at www.formfromimagination.com. It's got the video, it's got the, it's got the info on there. Mm -hmm. And it has the index. You can get a preview of all the sub chapters, all of the yep. it lists, all of the videos that are actually in there. So you can see the, the sweeping scope of everything that gets covered. Yep. Um, yeah. and yeah, the ad, the ads were super fun to, to do. Um, I'm going to do more and that like James, I just have a similar background where me and my friends, um, I had a lot of friends who were into film back in high school and, right. uh, I always liked acting and just goofing off and things like that. So, yeah. uh, I had a lot of fun exposure with that as a kid and mm -hmm. uh, I'm still friends with those people, fortunately. So right. when it came time to do it, it was just fun for us. I was like, we haven't had a reason to do something like that in a long time. Let's yeah. do it. And we already have the grooves for that. You know, we know how to write the script. We know what, mm -hmm. what, what stuff we're going to need. We know how stuff. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. that ad, we, um, for anyone who's interested in any stuff like this, uh, my wife and I sort of, came up with the idea and wrote the loose script um, mm -hmm. one afternoon for like two hours. And then we were like, we're mm -hmm. filming that tomorrow. And in one mm -hmm. day we filmed everything start to finish. Um, mm -hmm. In my experience, it takes about a whole day to do a minute of decent content. It's a little more yeah. than a minute. So we did a great job there, I'd say. And then I edited it in like eight hours the next day. So it was like right. a tight two days of putting it together. It was tons of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a real blast. The thing is, well, I think I found with people who live in New York, I don't know if it's maybe even just like, there's a culture also in LA, but that's because there's so many actors out there. But in, in New York, so many people I know also moonlight as stand-up comedians. Like there's a whole stand-up <laughs> culture in New York that people, you know, just try it. At least once in their life I've tried stand-up or I've tried getting in front of an open mic. And uh, I mean, I couldn't do it. I'm fucking terrified. But like, yeah, I mean, it's one of these things that um, I think if you can bring that also, it attracts more people to your cause because it's like, art in a sense going through even university can be dull in a sense that like you know the art isn't exciting but how people can teach it 
because yeah. I feel like as many good artists are in the world, not every good artist is a good teacher. So it's 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 great to find somebody who feels like they're young in a sense that they're young at heart, like they're doing fun things, like you said, like the even the random incursions that Meds put in his map is like it's fun. It's something that breaks up the monotony of you know maybe just drawn forever for five six hours a day you, you have a fun video like, oh this is fun you know and keep going um when you kind of gamify almost like working out and leveling up and um i know antonio and and, and art wad has done a similar thing now when you submit your wads for the week or the things you've done you have a now a leveling system where um you can level up to different levels of goblin you know and, and nice. depend how much you put in which is fun like it's just it's something that keeps people engaged and makes more people want it and you know Whatever you're charging for your course, I mean, what are you char- how much is your course right now at the moment? Uh, it's six hundred and forty. Like, yeah, yeah, like I said, yeah, which is which is great. No, because look, I was just going to say because like with CGMA with a lot of those big schools, like you will pay. You know, you went to Art Center, right? You yeah. know what I'm talking about. You know, like the money Art Center takes, and it's a great education. You know, the teachers are great and the institute and the placement in the studios, but like no one as well like it's just it's some of them were like it was like fifteen thousand dollars a term for some places like it's it's crazy money yeah it's no absolutely it's, crazy money it's huge yeah, yeah. I, i've seen some people online say like "Woo, that's steep and i'm and i'm like like <laughs> like i mentioned before i'm like i think people don't get that it's like it's feedback only like it's a yeah. it's a feedback course i i give you get my personal time yeah, yeah i give feedback on everything and actually i don't know why people are confused because if you look at the feedback versions of classes on schoolism or something like that. Mm. I'm actually at the bottom of the market for a feedback mm. class. Like a feedback class oh, on yeah. schoolism is a thousand dollars, not six hundred and forty. Yeah. If, if not more, you know, yeah. depending on the class and who's teaching it. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. uh, so I think people just maybe haven't uh noticed that or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean it, it's it's cause it's a feedback course. That's the market yeah. for getting feedback for and it's 100%. uh not not to mention it's uh I think the total number of assignments in the course that I yeah. asked for is thirty. So it's like it's a shit ton of feedback to, oh, yeah. to give. Yeah. It's a lot. You know, I mean this is the thing. We had this argument with uh with an Antonio's this again with Artward, because it's similar again to what you're doing, but like he has now upped all his prices and has different tiers now for for memberships, but he was initially an in artward 1.0 he was charging 15 euros a month for his course which is that's crazy yeah that's, like ins- insane if you're doing um, any but, feedback that's just but that might as well yeah. be poverty wage i mean that's not it's <laughs> <laughs> not even minimum wage yeah uh and, and people were complaining about 15 euros a month and i was like how well, it's easy to complain on the internet that's why no of course no i understand yeah um but like yeah it wasn't one-to-one feedback it was more just like people who also helped him slightly could give like slight just like this looks good this doesn't look good yeah um now he has a tier like if you want his time yeah like it's i think it's it's closer to 100 euros a month um but then even then it's like it's still cheap in regards to you know because even when he upped that people were like oh, 100 euros a month i'm like yeah but you're getting one-on-one feedback from industry professionals yeah. like that's that's always going to be steep like i said because yeah. people have you know i've gotten messages from people you know Ba- mm-hmm. you know basically asking for some other option so i'm considering yeah. releasing a a non-feedback version that people can get right. if they're like well again i'm i i really i think feedback is so important so i'm actually a little loath to release a non-feedback version because i think it's very important yeah. to actually getting yeah. better but if people really want it it's like i'm thinking about putting a version out there for the people who seem to you know they're just like they really want the material but they're really not super Mm. interested in getting the the feedback but yeah any anything where you're going to have the instructor whether it's asymmetrical or not right whether it's Mm. real time or they do it on their own time 
anything yeah. where an instructor has to sit and review your work and fix mm -hmm. it, it's like, it's going to be a lot. There's no way around it. I mean, you need to, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it takes so much time. There's, I, there's single assignments in the course where regularly when people post it because of the mm -hmm. nature of the assignment, each feedback I give on it takes me two to three hours. Cause I have to yeah. draw over the thing completely and it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a rote exercise for any of the assignments where I have to, and there's several of these, I ask mm -hmm. the students do something creative. Don't do one mm -hmm. that looks like what other people are posting, do a different thing. Right. When I ask yeah. that, that screws up the feedback pipeline because mm -hmm. well, I I'm doing that cause I think it's essential. Right. But mm -hmm. then I have to, I don't get to do the same notes on every piece of feedback, which really right. smooths it out everybody does a different thing. So I have to do completely novel notes and drawovers on everybody's mm -hmm. stuff. It takes a long time. So yeah, it's going to be yeah. expensive. It's the eternal struggle of artists trying to justify their time and money. Um, I think it's something we'll probably never escape, but yeah, God damn it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, for those guys who are listening at this point, and I definitely will even just put them in the show description notes so people can see it just off the bat. But I'll include all of Stephen's links down below, all his socials, um, and of course the course and every part of that. If you guys are interested, you can check it down below. Um, click on the links, uh, and uh, yeah, just just check out Stephen's work. He's he's uh, one of the I think the Da Vinci's of our time. I think yeah, given the the, the complexity and level of his illustration skills, I think um, yeah, man, your stuff is is you know, and like I said, you've been one of the most requested people we've had in the last six months because i was i was surprised to hear that that's interesting I don't yeah, yeah i mean people always get this thing where they're like it's an artist thing right because you're so self-deprecating you're like people like like what i do they like my work yeah, you really you really like me you know i mean like it's one of these things where you you get caught up in thinking why could but yeah you, you're good at what you do man you know you've got a history and you're now at this era where i've seen like what Ahmed, people who have spent you know the 10 plus years building their career and are now in this void where there's a whole new generation of concept artists trying to come out of the world and find, you know, their way into the industry. And they're looking for teachers, they're looking for guides. Yeah. You're one of them. So I mean it's it's uh it's it's also you're one of the very few people I think who's put out a course to this extent. You know, Ahmed when he done his his map, you know, everybody was floored at the time because it was it was, you know, I think he almost done it in spite of Art Center because, you know, he has this whole thing where, you know, he hates, you know, the brick and mortar <laughs> establishment and hates it. But then yeah, like you're one of maybe like I don't know five people I know, in the the whole industry. Yeah, I, yeah that's done it. I, Med yeah. was a huge inspiration. I mean, until you until it occurs to you that you could really do one at that scale, uh, yeah. unless someone has trailblazed it, like maybe someone like me yeah. did. Um, yeah. It kind of seems like a crazy idea or a bad idea, or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a huge amount of work to try to yeah. actually again because art is so broad, even on a yeah. narrow skill set it's a huge mm -hmm. amount of work to try to go from the beginning to the end of it, yeah. especially, you know, yeah. doing it yourself and sort of self-motivating yeah. on it. Yeah. But um, I've got to say, like, as a teacher, it's so mm -hmm. beneficial for me to be able to just say, it's all here, right? Like that, yeah. that particular, for that particular question, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's easy to well, ask, yeah. like, how do you draw from yeah. imagination well, right? Like, mm. for it's easy to ask that. The answer... Mm is like 30 hours long and involves a huge amount of work and it yeah, turns yeah, out. Yeah. so it's just so much easier it's it's so good to just have regurgitated it carefully yeah. <laughs> very craftily yeah, yeah. and lovingly to have put it down cohesively mm -hmm. one time and then just have it and be like that's my answer to that yeah 
basically. Yeah, I'd done the same. I used to have a, a people used to even when I started the podcast because I wasn't a professional, but because I spoke to so many people, people would be like, "Can you give me advice?" And I used to have a just copy and paste. Here's the artists I look at. Here's the books to buy. Yeah, and I just used to paste it to people and say, "Here's my answer." Because, like you say, you could get so caught up in just regurgitating that constantly. Um, but then it's funny how you'll think of the course as well because if you put it down to time, you say you spent six months doing that, yeah. not even including maybe the fo- the shoot for the video. That's like a hundred dollars a month for working on that because people you're saying six hundred for the course, but then like if you put that in six months, I mean for six months worth of work, you couldn't level off a hundred dollars a month in New York. Oh yeah, like, no, fucking yeah. Just to be yeah. you know, I, I, I the the thing about justifying how much you you you're charging for anything i don't mm. believe in it i was happy to just yeah. put it out i picked my price and i was like oh, I, don't, I don't fucking care like i i know what yeah. i know what i need right like yeah, so yeah, yeah i i personally feel no need to justify mm. but just for because this is an industry thing and you know mm. people may engage these things in the future right they may make yeah. a course and things like that i do think it's interesting to talk about the behind the scenes stuff so mm-hmm. people can learn about it but yeah. yeah one of the one of the most difficult challenges for doing something like this is making the space in your life to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's not yeah. an easy thing that it's like, yeah. it's hard enough to draw it, to record it, to write mm. it, to edit it, to do the curriculum, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But what most people wouldn't think of is you need to, you need to have done enough work before it where you're financially solvent to not work for six months, which not yeah. most people are not. I've had to work hard to have enough yep. savings to do that. And then that yep. doesn't even handle, consider the emotional difficulty of telling like your wife and your parents, like I'm going to not work for six months on a, <laughs> a business venture. Like you have to have very good relationships where people are gonna look at you and be like, okay, I trust you, yeah. I think you could do it. Yeah. Like it, it's not, there's a, so many things yeah. going on in there and there's a lot of risks. So yeah. for anyone who, who's thinking of doing all of those things, like, mm-hmm. um, it it's like sometimes you just need to if you're gonna take the leap of faith and you're going to risk so much Mm. you should totally be okay just valuing yourself at what you value yourself yeah and remember like like i said like who cares what people say on the internet like to a person everyone who critiques anything like that especially prices they're always anonymous because they know they know deep down they're like well i might still buy it and when i'm in there i don't want them to recognize <laughs> my name for critiquing the price like it's it's just the internet that's how stuff works yeah it's not yeah, a big deal, yeah you know no 100 it's, yeah. it's not a big deal. no I, and i definitely feel like it's justified and like i say is you know even you compare it to your competition like guys at cgma arts you know like it, you know the prices are two three times that and, and you know it, it's uh I think it's because I'm also an artist myself or a creative, you know, in general. And, and I know for many years when I've done stuff for free and people would, would belittle people like, yeah, you know, you're doing what you love. You don't have to get paid for it. I'm like, yeah, but I want to live. I need to eat, yeah. you know, pay rent, put the lights on, you know, like, there's, like anybody else I have to live. So some yes. artists don't need to make money off of it. Let's admit it. There's a lot of people yeah. in art who come from secure backgrounds where they're doing yeah. it because they didn't need to do something else. So they had the yeah. ability to pursue this thing. But yeah. yeah, some of us, I myself included, like I don't come from that background. Like I have no, nothing's coming to me, you know. Like my, like my a safety net, yeah. Yeah, like my, my yeah. mom and dad don't really. There's nothing there. I don't know how else, I don't yeah. know how to put it nicely. So generational I, wealth and everything. Yeah, yeah so I, yeah. I had to. If this was gonna work, I had mm-hmm. to make it work financially, and I don't. Yeah, it's just like there's no other. 
I don't have, this is my skill set, you know? So it's like, yeah. yeah, I need it to be financially solvent. There's nothing weird yeah, about course. that, you know? It's, Makes that's like, 100% sense. Yeah. Preaching to the choir, man. Preaching yeah, to the choir. Um, yeah, so anyway, so a great place to end it. And like I say, for people who are listening, we'll have all of Stephen's links down below. Um, make sure you check out his course and all his ArtStation website, everything in, in between. Um, and yeah, just uh, thanks, Stephen, for coming on and Thank talking. You, I hope, hope you found it somewhat interesting or somewhat engaging um i, I love yeah, talking shop i love talking about all this stuff even the stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, it's still fun to talk yeah. about no 100 i used to when i used to work as an engineer i used to hate talking about work outside of work but now i'm in one of these industries where you know i'm like a nerd like you like technology games movies when things come out that change when trailers get released when companies do new exciting things i'm always excited to talk about it and, yeah. and i think it's a great way for people to to show their love because we're all fans at the end of the day you know like we do this job but we all came it because we love games growing up or movies whatever so it's, it's great that we can talk about it with other people yeah um yeah so um yeah again uh thanks you guys for listening again links down below um thanks to team for coming on and uh yeah we'll see you in the next episode i hope you guys are all staying safe in the world and again creative and uh yeah we'll see you later take care Bye, guys. thanks so much for having me